we are beginning a three-week series on the book of Exodus. Uh, right before, we have a little space here in between what we just finished up and um, beginning of Lent, and I thought, let's go to Exodus, because if you don't know, Exodus is my very favorite book of all time in the Bible, and I love it, and I believe that it is the, the, the central to understanding what Jesus is doing, Christian theology, and um, it's just, it's the best, because Jesus is the new Moses who's leading a new Exodus, and if we don't understand the original uh, Exodus and the original Moses, then we won't really understand what Jesus is doing, right? And um, Exodus is really where the Bible starts. Genesis is just an introduction to get us to Exodus. Um, that's a, I, I'd love to talk to you about that. But um, anyway, our text here this morning is from Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priests of Midian, and he had and led the flock to the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on, though the, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does this bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good land, spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of, Je- out of Egypt. Go. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So you are probably familiar with the book of Exodus. You've seen the movies, right? Uh, you've seen the movies, either the Charlton Heston version or the, oh, there's so many versions, Christian Bale version, uh, the animated version. There's plenty of the versions out there. You've seen the movie. You know the story that here the Israelites found themselves in a land of bondage in Egypt. Israel had been in bondage and slavery for 400 years to this point. 400 years. That is longer than this thing called America has existed. It is a long time. The people who were currently living in this space of slavery would have not known any one of their ancestors. The stories, they probably couldn't even tell a story of one of their ancestors who was free. And so they had been dominated by this slavery that they were in and you can only imagine that they cried out day and night God where are you God don't you hear our cries God would you please deliver us from this oppression that we are under and then the story tells us that a baby is born 
How many stories in Scripture begin with that? That the people were in darkness, that the people were in oppression, that the people were in pain, and a baby is born to us. In the midst of that crying vulnerability, that innocence, and that smallness, hope is birthed. That's how hope is birthed often, isn't it? It often doesn't come as a shout from the skies. It comes in the cry of a child, in the whisper of a child's breath. Hope, it begins in the smallest of things so often. And so if you know the story of Moses, that Moses was born to an Israelite family. And this Israelite family had a choice to make because a decree that Pharaoh had just made was that all children... All males, male children were to be killed, slaughtered, murdered. And so here in the midst of this genocide, a baby is born and the mother and the father had to make a choice. What are we going to do? Can you imagine this baby that you just had birthed? Can you imagine the pain that you would know that the empire was going to kill them? And so they did maybe the only thing that they could think of doing they put the baby Moses in a basket and put him out upon the river Nile and let him afloat put their hopes and dreams in a basket with no rudder with no sail with no way to control or to guide where the wind may blow it they put their hopes and their dreams their love in a basket and put it upon the waters of God's provision, and let it go. What are the hopes and dreams that you have today that maybe you need to put in a basket to stop trying to control and say, God, wherever you take this, I trust in you. And so the story goes that it floated a little down the river and found its way into one of The daughters, somebody in Pharaoh's household, Pharaoh would have had numerous amounts of daughters, not just three or four, but probably hundreds of daughters because Pharaoh, well, I don't need to explain to you, right, um, what happens when the old kings had harems and they, uh, we're we're good, we're good in that. So, um, no, you want me to explain? No, no? Okay. So here in one of Pharaoh's daughters, in one of Pharaoh's households, the baby was found. And so the story is vague on details. The movies put more details in because um, they're dramas, right? But the story in the scripture is vague on details. But somehow, Moses finds himself raised in the family, in the household of Pharaoh. An in-between sort of person, one who is adopted into an empire but doesn't, isn't really that at their core, was a slave, the son of a slave, now finds himself sitting at the table of Pharaoh. To sit at the table of Pharaoh, to be in Pharaoh's family, meant that you would have every opportunity that was afforded to you in the world. Pharaoh was one of the richest, most powerful people in all of the world at this time. And his empire had been built on the blood and sweat and tears of the slaves of the Jewish people who built his kingdom. And so as it was, 
He was wealthy beyond means. He was beyond imagination. And Moses, growing up in that household, would have understood and come to learn of himself in this sort of oppressive colonial mindset. He would have been sitting every day and been indoctrinated with the Egyptian propaganda that they are superior to that of the slaves of Egypt and probably the propaganda that the Jewish people are better off anyway in slavery because at least they have some provision. And if we were to allow them to go free, then they wouldn't even know what to do with themselves. They wouldn't even be able to, to, to figure out life anymore. So we are actually helping the Israelite people, giving them a purpose in life. And so raised in that sort of mindset, in that sort of imagination, of the oppressor. But the story tells us that somewhere along the way, something began to happen in Moses. Something began to change, and he found himself having on the wrong side of the law of Pharaoh's kingdom. And so he was forced into exile. He fled Egypt. He was afraid for his life. He fled Egypt as maybe he was beginning to wrestle with the challenges of being a child of a slave, but living in the empire. And so he had to make a choice, and he fled into the wilderness. And the story tells us that he spent 40 years away from Egypt, that maybe that's how long it takes to detox the imagination of oppression that Moses had come to see himself as. When you stand up to the powers that be, it's a hard choice. Because if you are sitting at Pharaoh's table and you challenge Pharaoh, you will find yourself with a seat no more. You will lose that seat and you will be forced out of the kingdom into exile. And so he finds himself as a sheep herder in this faraway place, the furthest away that you could imagine from the halls of glory of Egypt, he finds himself herding sheep and cattle and goats. And he sees this light. We know the story, right? And so he goes to investigate, and that brings us to where we are today in the story of Exodus. It is really where all things begin. It begins with God speaking out of this fire, theme of Exodus, fire and wilderness and water. We see that theme over and over and over again. But we hear the voice from this fire, and this is a God who Moses did not know, who this God had been quiet for a while, but speaks in the midst of this fire and says the first words that this God says is, I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have heard their oppression And I am coming to deliver them. The rabbis tell us, the Jewish rabbis tell us, that this is probably the most important verse in Scripture because it tells us that God indeed does hear the cry of the oppressed. The question always is, do we? If God hears the cries of the oppressed, do we hear the cries of the 
oppressed? Do we hear the cries of those who are hurting, the those that are enslaved, those that are sick, those that are looking for a new future, a new home, a new generation, looking for liberation? Do we hear the cries of the oppressed, or are we so satisfied with the food that Pharaoh is serving us, we dare not speak up because we may lose our space at the table of privilege? God hears the cries of the oppressed, but do we? And the challenge that comes down from generations is that if we do not hear the cries of the oppressed, then we are probably part of the system of oppression. Today, do you hear the cries of the oppressed? Because those voices are still crying out in the midst of our world around us. They are still crying out for hope, for freedom, for liberation, for a future. Church, do we hear those cries? Or have we shut our ears up because the food that Pharaoh is serving is so delicious and we do not dare speak up against the king? But here is... The truth about Pharaoh and all other Pharaohs named other things is that Pharaoh does not love us. <laughs> Pharaoh is only using us to get more for himself. And so the cries of the oppressed went out to God and came to this bush in this pivotal moment. And God tells Moses, hey Moses, I want you to go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Can you imagine what Moses must be thinking in this moment? Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. He knew what it was like. He, Moses knew what Pharaoh did to people who he didn't like. And so God is telling Moses, hey, Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful person in the world. Oh, by the way, the one that exiled you. Go back to Egypt where you grew up and say to Pharaoh, you need to let your slave labor go that is producing the wealth and the exuberance of your kingdom. You need to let them go, to set them free without any compensation. Just let them go. Yeah. Thanks, God. Um, I'm out. I will see you later. Sorry that I showed up at this bush and because um, you're crazy. <laughs> and that's what Moses does. If you read the rest of chapter 3, that's basically what Moses does. Moses is like, but I, I can't talk very well. And God's like, I'll be with you. I'll talk through you. But he's like, but I, but I, I can't. Like, what am I going to And like, yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll figure this out. Sometimes we don't want God's commission, do we? We don't want God's call sometimes. We don't want to be those that stand up and speak out on behalf of the oppressed. We don't want to be those people because we know what the powerful do to those people. They crush them. And we will lose our place at the table. Moses was happy to herd his sheep in Midian. He was happy to never hear the word Egypt again. And God is calling him to go back to the exact place that he had been and to speak into it. God often does that. Uses, calls out people who have been living in the privilege that slavery has provided, that oppression has provided, and pulls them out and says, I'm calling you to go back in and speak into it. Because you know it. You know the system. 
You know how it works. You've seen it. And I'm calling you to go back in. I know you don't want to. I know you're going to hate it. I know you're going to lose friends. I know you're going to lose sleep at night. But life is at stake here. And you must live for something bigger than your own herds of sheep. There is the liberation of people at stake. And so God calls us back in. And we try to make every excuse, don't we? Well, I'm not the right person. They can talk about me. I, I, I don't. I. We make every excuse. But God has a call on our lives, all of our lives, to be people who realize our truest self, who become to, to detox the illusion and the propaganda of Pharaoh's regime and to say, I want to be free. The first step of freedom for all of us is realizing that we are not who Pharaoh, we are not the people that Pharaoh has told us we are. We are more than that. We are more valuable than that. We are more precious than that. We are more beautiful than that. And we have a better purpose than that than just reaping the benefits of oppression. The benefits of an economy. The benefits of a career. We are more than that. We are more than your corporation that you work for tells you you are. You are more than, than advertisements tell you that you are. You are more than that. You are a child, a beloved child of God. And God, I believe, is working in the rehab business to, to get us out of, of, of the intoxication, intoxicated life where, where we don't even know who we are anymore, but we feel good, but we don't know who we are. And God is calling us out of that over and over and over and over again into the wilderness to detox because there's no other place to detox in the wilderness. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry to tell you that bad news. That's why we're going to go through Lent here in a little bit to realize who we are. And so God is liberating us to be our truest self. And the first step into that is understanding that Pharaoh has been lying to us, that we are more than that. And when I say Pharaoh, I, I mean Pharaoh by many names, right? Many names. Pharaoh as the, the oppressor throughout time in our space now, whatever you see, whoever you see, that is just another Pharaoh that has come in different clothes. We must realize that, as Dr. Martin Luther King has said, the arc of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. Justice will come, maybe later than we want it to, but justice always comes. And so for us, I believe our call is to be part of bringing that justice to bear upon the world, to be those that answer the call that is coming out of the fire that says, God, I have a calling for you and us to say, yes, Lord, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do something else in my time and my life. But if you are asking me to do it, then I will do it Then I'll do it. We find our freedom in seeking the freedom for others. That's always the way it works. We find our own self. We find our own freedom. We find our own liberation as we seek the liberation of those that are suffering around us. If we're not seeking that for other people, if we can't hear the cries of the oppressed, then Pharaoh is going to use us 
manipulate us, and we're going to become to believe Pharaoh's lies about who we are. In this country, when so much of the church, the white church, refused to hear the cries of our brothers and sisters who were in the bondage of slavery, it is like we put a millstone around our neck and chained ourselves to hate and division and fear. And the only way that we get out of this is by seeking the benefit of others, by seeking the liberation and the freedom of others around us, not ourselves, but the freedom of others. And when we do that, we, can, we too can find liberation. We too can find hope. We too can realize who we are and what we've been called to be. We face this around our world now, don't we? We face it in so many places. There are people groups crying out for freedom, for help. And we always have a choice. Will we choose to hear those cries? Will we choose to seek their freedom, their flourishing, their benefit? Or will we close our ears? Because we like the lifestyle. We like the position. We like the space that we are in. And we don't want to rock that boat. But by not rocking that boat, we are sailing into a storm that will sink us. That is Pharaoh's deceit. That we think that everything will be fine and will be okay, but but when we refuse our calling, when we walk away from the fiery bush where God is speaking out, and we say, like, oh, sorry, God. What we're doing is closing the door on our future to find our truest self. God will keep coming back in that fiery bush and is going to keep bugging us and annoying us and keep, keep finding a ways, but God won't stop. But, but at some point, we have to answer that call, church. At some point, we have to say, yes, Lord, I will go. I will go. And when we do that, we must always know that the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is with us. Always. So today, what is God calling you to speak into? Who is God calling you to hear the cries of? How do you need to open your ears up to hear the cries of the oppressed around you? I I love this book here. It's called Torah Journeys, The Inner Path to the Promised Land. It's by Rabbi Shephard Gold, and I think I've read part of it too, but... uh, It speaks here in this idea of Exodus. And I want to read this to you. For 400 years, the people of Israel suffered the oppression of Egypt. Only when the sigh and the cry and the groaning went forth could the process of liberation be set in motion. God waits for the cry. And that cry only happens when self-awareness is achieved and the spirit is set free to be heard, remembered, seen, and known. The spiritual challenge of Shemot is to cultivate the awareness of our own enslavement. Consciousness must precede the cry that awakens the God force of liberation. To be heard by God is to let the inward sigh become an outward cry. That cry breaks the pattern of enslavement, shakes up the status quo until the memory of covenant is jarred awake. To be remembered by God is to, be rem- is to remember the presence of God within. To rem- Be seen by God is to lift the veils of self-deception. To be known by God is to move beyond pride and shame to surrender to the unknowable. 
When the God force is set in motion by our cry, our lives become the scene of a miracle. Moses, the prophet, Aaron, the priest, and Miriam, the artist, are awakened to power, and then Pharaoh will be challenged. When that happens, when Pharaoh's power is threatened, he takes away the straw that we use to make the bricks of our own enslavement, and the task before us becomes even harder. The spiritual challenge of awakening becomes even more difficult, yet unavoidable. We see how slavery, or living from our conditioned responses, has deadened the senses, drained us of our vitality, kindled our doubt. Our usual strategies for survival are not working anymore. There is no turning back now. Today, what are you enslaved to? Where are you not hearing the cries of those that are suffering? How are you living out Pharaoh's self instead of your truest self, which is God's desire for your future and your life? Becoming aware of our enslavement, I would like for you to do this. This is a little practice together. Can we do this? This is like, I want you to identify an area or aspect right now in your life that is a source of stress, pattern of thought that leads you into negativity or despair, a particular way, a particular way of relating that you know isn't productive. Can you think of that right now? Stress, a pattern of thought that leads you into negativity or a way that is not productive. You might identify a habitual response that is rooted in insecurity or fear, an addiction, or a place of resignation or bitterness within you. Just, just sit with that feeling of the enslavement for a moment. Don't fight it or deny it. Just let it sink in and feel its weight. Can you do that right now? What is that place of pain for you? What is that place of enslavement for you? You may even tense up. When I get really stressed, my neck hurts in some way right here. and almost like gets a kink in it. It's weird how stress will do that to you, isn't it? Affects your body. Now, find the cry within you. Look underneath that weight and find a sound, a word, or a phrase that is buried beneath your despair, your resignation, your bitterness, or your fear. Can you find that? Can, can you lift the rug up and look underneath that weight? And that is a hard, strong weight. But find a sound, a word, a phrase. What is that word for you? What is that word for you? Do you have it? Do you have it? What is that word? Being heard. Open your mouth and let that sound, word, or phrase out. Let's, let's do that in a moment. Repeat it again and again, exploring the varying pitch, volume, and tone. Let your cry tell the truth that has until now been silenced. This will take some time. It says here, do this for 10 minutes. It's cold in here and we don't have 10 minutes, but... Um, but here's what I want you to do. Do you have that word? Then turn it into a, to a real word or a groan or a sigh or just a breath. And in a moment, let's just let that out. Just maybe let's do it in a breath. Just a, let that be our cry this morning. Let's do that together. With that word, turn it into a breath and let us let it out. Let it out. Let it out. 
In the silence that follows your cry, bring your attention to the breath and imagine the breath moving directly into the space inside your center of heart. As the heart expands to receive the breath, invite your ancestors to sit inside your heart. Feel the power of their deepest longing within you. Receive their blessing. Might remember a grandmother, a father, a mother, someone in your past that has told you how beautiful you are. You may even in this moment see Jesus inside of you telling you that you are good. Now imagine yourself as a very young child. Surround your vision with your most tender compassion. Surround your space. Remember when you were a child. Remember when you were cared for. Remember when you were loved. Remember when everyone embraced you and supported you before you got into the race of comparison, before you got into the race of privilege, before you got into the system of advancement. Just remember who you are. Do you see that person? Do you see your four-year-old self? Now imagine God bringing down the light of love like a blanket upon you. And may you speak as that child, God, save me. God, hear my cries. God hears your cries all across this room right now. Because God hears the cries of the oppressed. God hears your cries that you cry in the middle of the night, your anxieties, your burden, your pain. God hears those cries every day. You are not forgotten. You are not abandoned. You are more than Pharaoh has told you that you are. You are beloved and precious and good. You are a gift to be celebrated, not a tool to be used. And so, as we embrace that in ourselves... Now imagine someone else. Maybe the person who you have not thought of before. Now imagine the person that you hear the cry of today. Maybe that person that when I said, do you hear the cries of the oppressed? The immediately, the image of the person that, that, that you thought of. Imagine that person right now. Now imagine the same for them. Their four-year-old self. Being surrounded in the blanket of God's love. And them crying out, God, hear my cries. And God hearing those. And maybe we should too. Church, the Exodus speaks to us and reminds us that God hears the cry of all of those in pain and often uses the most unlikely of people to be God's instruments into the work of liberation. We are all called into that because we are followers of the resurrected Jesus. And the Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is the new Moses leading the new Exodus. And we as the church are the space where the liberated gather and worship this Jesus and go out into the world, hear the cries of the oppressed, and remind all of the world that God hears the cries. And we hear them too. And we will not abandon you because God will not abandon you. And we will fight for you because God fights for you. And we will stand with you because God stands with you. And we will hold you up because God is holding you up. And we will get through this together. Today our call as a church is the same as Moses. To go to whatever Pharaoh is in charge of the world, to whatever Pharaoh is dominating people's lives, and say, the God of Isaac and Abraham and Jacob is declaring that you must let God's people go. 
Because God is love and this is not. And we will find in that moment, when we do that, when we live that way, we will find our truest self. We will find our own freedom in that process. We will find our own liberation as we seek the liberation of others, as we seek the blessing of others. We will find our truest self, our life, our future, our freedom. Today, what hopes do you have that you need to place in the basket and let them down the river of God's grace? Today, do you hear the cries of the oppressed? Today, what Pharaoh is God calling you to go into and say, freedom is coming? Today, how do you need to embrace your truest self? Today, how do you need to remember that God hears your cries and has come down to seek your liberation? Let us be the people that God is calling us constantly to be, the people of hope, the people of freedom, the people of life. Let us in all, in some way, be little Moseses, hearing the voice of the Lord and going into the world to be proclaiming the goodness of God. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to hear your call that says out of the burning bush, that speaks through generations and across times, that reminds us that we are too to be your instruments of grace and liberation for the hurting world around us. Lord, open our ears, we pray. Help us to hear the cries of the oppressed and give us quick feet and strength to go into those spaces where we do not want to go to and to speak freedom, to stand for freedom and grace and liberation for those that are hurting. But above all, Lord, help us to remember, help us to embrace how you see us, our truest self, beloved, good, lovely, and worthy of a purpose. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.